I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. This episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast is brought to you by Blinkist, my personal favorite way to listen to books in short blinks. Hear me out here. It really truly is more knowledge in less time. It's perfect for curious people like me who love to learn and busy people like me who don't have time to read. And even people who aren't into reading also like me. Blinkist offers a way for busy people, not just professionals, to understand books and podcasts in 15 minutes or less. You can read or listen to books. You can find your next read based on your interests. You can even take advantage of new shortcasts. So Blinkist has teamed up with podcast creators to bring you key insights from podcasts. So if you want to be more knowledgeable, more successful, healthier, a better parent, happier, or be your best self, Blinkist is perfect. 95% of Blinkist members read significantly more than before. 91% of Blinkist members create better habits, and 87% of Blinkist users have made positive changes in their lives thanks to Blinkist. And you know, that's what I'm all about. And if you are a Burned In Teacher Podcast listener, you can get a seven-day free trial of Blinkist. And trust me, when you begin, you will never read books the same again. So go to bit.ly slash B-I-T blink seven. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-I-T B-L-I-N-K seven to get seven days free of Blinkist. My favorite way to learn so I can take action and take my next best step. Well, hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to episode 127 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to do more than survive the winter blues and a few ways that I'm making myself the happiest that I can be, even when I feel those feelings of seasonal affective disorder sort of settle in. Your personal and professional life shouldn't feel on hold or held hostage by the winter months. And I choose not to settle for tears or being sedentary and isolated for three months of my life. That's just a lot of time to waste feeling sad. And it doesn't sound fun at all to me. I don't know about you. (laughs) So in this episode, I'm going to give you a few tips that will help you out with this. So the first thing we're going to do is figure out whether you're dealing with burnout or the winter blues. And we're going to reflect on what winter blues has looked like for myself and possibly for you in the past. And finally, of course, you know, we're going to talk about small actions that I'm taking and that you could possibly take to make this season of the winter blues less hostage and maybe a little bit more hopeful. Let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. 
I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence, as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend. And I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a burned in teacher. Now let's get started. Hey there, Vernon teachers. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you, a little honest, a little coachy. It's going to be a little of everything. <laughs> um, and I feel especially in light of, you know, all of the challenges that I have been facing myself um, as a teacher. I think that this is a really good timing for this topic of talking about, you know, burnout versus the winter blues. Um, what it is that we can, we can possibly do about it, and um, I said I say I'm excited, and it, that is one of the things that I that's one reason that I know I'm dealing with the winter blues is it's hard to get excited about a whole lot for me lately, um, and I know that it's true for you too because I've I've heard from you all, and and I know that things are hard for you right now too. Student behavior is extremely challenging. The schedule is all over the place, depending on weather. Actually, as I'm recording this, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with parent-teacher conferences and a professional development day because there's an impending storm coming and it's hitting in the middle of the day. It's just, you know, constant unknowns and unpredictable, you know, days and behaviors and, um, and all of that can take a toll on us for sure. But if you're also dealing with the winter blues in addition to burnout this can be especially challenging because <laughs> the best thing that we could possibly ask for is consistency right consistent predictable behaviors consistent predictable days of school um, a consistent predictable curriculum uh, <laughs> the list could go on and on and on and that's why this topic is so important to me and so close to my heart because it can just make an already challenging situation even harder if you're dealing with seasonal affective disorder. I do want to make sure that I'm very, very clear before I dive into this topic today that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a ther therapist, I'm not a counselor. Um, I'm a kindergarten teacher and I'm a teacher burnout coach. So if you feel like you've got more deep-seated um, struggles than what I'm talking about today or if this, you know, talking about this topic brings up more, um, more hardship and um, – and trauma for you, then I definitely suggest that you talk to your doctor or your therapist or your counselor. Talk to somebody about how you're feeling because all I'm doing today is sharing my experiences, my research, things that are working for me, and my own triggers that are, you know, showing me that I'm dealing with um, with seasonal affective disorder. It is a form of depression. It's not typically diagnosable, but it's pretty recognizable. 
um, the signs and symptoms that we'll talk about here in a minute. Before we dive into today's topic of how to do more than survive the winter blues, is I want to answer a question from Ask BIT. If you would like to ask me a question, then all you have to do is go to burnedinteacher.com slash ask. And when you land on that page, you have two options. You can do what several of my Burned In Teacher friends out there in the world have done, which is just simply fill out the two-question form. Um, just simply saying, what's your question? <laughs> and if you're comfortable, tell me your first name and maybe the state or city or country that you live in. Or you can get super brave and record your voice and record yourself asking your question or talking quickly about your situation that you would like some advice from. So today my question comes from Elizabeth Ann in New York. She says, how do I best get a coworker to pull his weight when repeated requests don't work? I do all of the setup and the breakdown of equipment, planning, printing, etc. The list goes on and on. And he does nothing but jump in on the lesson like he did the work. He's also very critical. I just want him to share some of the responsibilities, if not all the responsibilities. So anytime that our boundaries are crossed, that is where the feeling of resentment comes in. And resentment is one of those emotions, in my opinion, that if left unattended to, can turn into anger, can turn into <laughs> you blowing your top at any given moment depending on what's going to happen. So this is why it's really, really important to set boundaries and have those hard, honest conversations that need to happen when you feel like you are being disrespected or you are feeling like you're being taken advantage of, which is exactly how it sounds Elizabeth Ann is feeling. So here's my advice, and I, I feel really grateful that I've never specifically dealt with this issue before, but there are a couple of of things that I would advise for you, Elizabeth Ann, or anybody else who is feeling like their boundaries are being crossed. Number one, I always, always suggest that you write down what it is that you want to say on a piece of paper first. And I know that might sound very elementary, but pre-planning and dumping your initial feelings and heightened emotions on paper first is going to help you to really look at <laughs> maybe how aggressive you might be coming across, and which will lead into my next step, um, may help you to get those initial feelings of resentment, anger, frustration, um, get those things out because you need to get them out. And of course, you know I'm going to tell you to read them out loud. Okay, because number one, brain dumping anything on paper, getting it out of your head and onto paper, I say, I always like to say getting it out of behind your eyeballs and in front of your eyeballs is a game changer. And I know you've, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I suggest brain dumping, list making all the time. Because especially in a profession filled with women who have spaghetti brains, who everything is, in, in our minds, everything is all lumped together in this messy plate of pasta. And for us to get it out, and for me specifically to get it out onto paper, has really helped me to see things in a way that I had not seen them before. So I would, number one, Elizabeth Ann, I would suggest that you write down, pretend like he is sitting right in front of you, and you just, just get it all out. Okay, you probably heard before, like if you're feeling angry at someone, you write them a letter, really nasty letter, get it all out and then burn it, right? This is kind of that situation. However, what I want you to do then is I want you to look at your, at your, um, at what you write out 
And then I want you to ask yourself, like, what's the purpose of this talk with him? Like, what do I want the outcome to be? Because if you go into this conversation blaming and shaming and spewing angry remarks about how what they are doing or rather what they're not doing is making you feel, you're making it all about them, this is a recipe for uh, a defensive argument where there will be no positive outcome. Instead, what I would suggest you do is looking at what you what you wrote down, thinking about what do you want the outcome to be? Well, you, you kind of laid it out here. You just want him to share some of the responsibilities. So whenever you're talking with somebody about how you're feeling um, by, by their actions or behavior or words, I would always, always, always seek to understand before trying to be understood. So first of all, you know, setting a time to meet with him, sitting down with him, maybe in a safe space for him um, so that it doesn't feel like, you know, he's being attacked, you know. And I, I know that you might be like, wait a minute, like how am I, why am I trying to make him feel comfortable? But here's the thing. When we are trying to come to a common ground, common place, it's really important that we make it a comfortable situation because it is a very uncomfortable situation. So we want to do everything we can to make it comfortable, okay? And then seeking to understand. So what I would do is start the conversation with, uh, let's just call him Jeff. That's the first name that comes to my mind. Jeff, I'm really trying hard to understand, you know, over the last several weeks or months or heck, maybe even years, I'm not sure of the specific situation. I have felt that I have been helping you a lot with my prepping, planning, setup, breakdown of equipment, you know, all of the things that are really important for us to to do to reach our students and and to serve them. And I'm trying hard to understand um, how it is that we could possibly share the workload and how you feel about that. You can say it in any number of ways. That would be just off the top of my head. That is a simple way that that I would frame it. And he may or may not have any suggestions. He might get defensive. And if he does, I want you to prepare yourself for it and remember and come back to what do you want the outcome to be. Okay, and he might surprise you. All right, you you never know unless you start the conversation. So I would then make sure that you focus on your feelings. So do not say things like, you always you never, you can't, you won't. Instead, I would always bring it back to how you're feeling and seeking to understand how you can not feel that way anymore. What this does is it's an open-ended way of helping him to be part of the solution rather than him being part of the problem. This is a difference between being a solution seeker and a problem seeker, okay? So you've identified the problems, now we want to seek solutions. So that's sort of where my advice is going to stop at this point and I would I would love to hear back with you from you about how this goes for you. But it the fact that you're you're stewing about this and that you're you're asking for the advice is so so critical in you not letting this situation burn you out. 
or you know bring you to the point where you blow your top and you say things that you shouldn't that only make things worse. You did mention that he is really critical. So maybe you could bring up an example of how you know maybe he said something or did something that showed his um, criticism. And instead of saying, you always just say, you know, can you help me understand what you meant whenever you said this? Always coming back to seeking to understand before you're understood. So that would be my advice. I know the hardest part is making that first initial email <laughs> is or knocking on that door frame and saying, hey, do you have a second to talk or can we set up a meeting? There's something I'd like to chat with you about. Keeping it positive, keeping it proactive, keeping it focused on solutions is going to be the biggest factor in you two working together as a team to solve this problem, okay? So I first of all want to give you a big old virtual high five because the fact that you are wanting to solve this problem says a lot about you, Elizabeth Ann. And these are the types of conversations that are not had enough when it comes to setting and respecting boundaries both for yourself and other people that you work with. And this is a first step, so good for you. Okay, so now it's time to transition into the topic of today's podcast episode. And that is all about the winter blues, a.k.a. seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD, okay? So first of all, my first tip is to make sure that you're clear about the similarities and the differences between burnout and seasonal affective disorder or the winter blues, okay? Burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that's not been successfully managed. It's characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. The definition of the winter blues is that feeling of sadness and generally being more down in the dumps. According to the National Institute of Health, winter blues isn't something that is medically diagnosed, but more of an understood feeling we can sometimes have during winter months that is usually short-lived. And for me to bring these two definitions to, you know, together and compare comparably, you can understand how there might be some confusion. So I really like how this definition of the winter blues makes sure to define the winter blues as something that's short-lived. Burnout, on the other hand, although it does share some of the common symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, it really has a, a more long-lasting, deep-seated feelings of energy depletion exhaustion deep-seated distance from one's job and it is really focused on the job okay so unhappiness frustration exhaustion anxiety overwhelm from one's job um, and and burnout burnout happens over a longer period of time and um, as you know uh, can happen for many different reasons if you've taken the teacher burnout quiz you know that there are different types of burnout and therefore there are different solutions to burnout um, all of that is laid out in several different episodes, but I want to focus today on if you have realized that, you know, maybe since Christmas break um, or winter break that you've felt more tired, you felt more moody, you are dropping habits that maybe you have had in your life. Um, you feel like eating nothing but carbs, all right? So these are some things that I've researched and I'm like, yep, check that box for me. Yep, check that one too. <laughs> um, you know, things that you typically are, are looking forward to, you are no longer looking forward to. So what I, want, um, what I want you to make sure that you are aware of too is that 
these two things can occur simultaneously, which is, you know, alludes to what I, you know, sort of mentioned at the beginning of this episode that if you're already dealing with burnout and now you're dealing with burnout in the winter, it can seem like just a double, triple whammy of frustration, anxiety, exhaustion, and and burnout, right? So here's the thing. <clears throat> While I believe that it is built into our DNA to take it a little easier in the winter, you know, we are animals who are wired to save energy whenever we can, right? I don't believe that we should accept that in the winter we should settle for acceptance of um, poor habits, adopting poor habits or poor choices that breed more misery for ourselves and or everyone else involved, you know, i.e. our students and people that we work with and our family. So I can tell you from experience that before I even knew that seasonal affective disorder existed, I was especially anxious and frustrated and sad in the winter months. And, And that was something that I, it, when I learned about the winter blues and really what they were, I was able to identify it in myself so fast. And I live in Northeast Indiana. So it's very common for people in the Midwest to, to deal with these emotions and these feelings during the winter months. And like I said, I really do suggest that you talk to somebody um, as part of this first step of you know identifying if what you're feeling really is burnout or if it is in fact what you think could be seasonal affective disorder and heck maybe even something else like maybe severe anxiety or depression. I really do suggest you talk with your doctor, a therapist, or you know a trusted friend or family member to get you the help that you need. Because the one thing I don't want you to do is to remain remain silent. Like there's no action in that, and there's no there's no solution in that. So I, I really do hope that you choose to talk to somebody um, who can offer you the support that you need. My second tip is to look back at patterns that you've seen in years past. So when I stop and look back at when I was shedding the most tears or focusing the most on the, on the most frustrating things um, or felt the most stuck, I know that it was the winter. You know, I'm even looking to last winter, um, and that was over a winter break, that I, I, I had you know, two weeks at home, and I didn't work out one time. I cried at least three times about quote-unquote silly things, but at that time they seemed huge. The winter before that, I was dealing with a lot of memories and um, sadness from some things, you know, from my, you know, from my past um, that it just came up out of nowhere. And, but then in the springtime, it, it was a non-issue. <laughs> um, I will say a couple of years ago, I did see a counselor. Um, I did, you know, I did seek therapy and, and that really helped me to learn some strategies to cope with that, with those anxious feelings. But um, when I reflect on those past patterns, I really am, am looking closely at what I did and did not do to set myself up for success in preparation for those winter blues whenever they set in. Well, number one, I didn't even know that it existed, right? So here are some some things that I, I did and did not do. So I, I can quickly connect them to positive habits that I dropped or negative habits that I picked up in the winter that did not set me, my family, or my students up for success. Number one, like I mentioned, I skipped workouts. Um, I would drink alcohol on weeknights and maybe a little too much on the weekends, which left me tired and even more grumpy. Um, 
I was not planning my weeks ahead of time, and I found myself winging it more often. Um, I did a lot of dropping and picking up bad habits during this time of the year that also created ripple effects. So that's because a lot of these negative or positive habits are the really important ones that are hard to build and easy to drop because they're they're hard to you know build into our rituals and routines. These these types of habits are what Charles Duhigg calls keystone habits. So these are negative habits that either breed multiple and more negative results or positive habits that breed more positive results, okay? So for example, like I mentioned, you know, drinking too much on a random Tuesday night with my girlfriends equals a bad night's sleep, equals skipping my morning workout, equals being tired and feeling guilty, equals grumpy and making knee-jerk decisions about how I handle the challenging situations that are happening all around me. Versus choosing to have some tea over wine with my girlfriends. I know, not as much fun. Um, But that equals a great night's sleep. It equals my AM workout. I feel more well. Re- I feel well rested and energized, and I'm able to be more proactive about the rest of my day when things happen that are out of my control. So, be reflective about patterns that you see in yourself, maybe from last winter or the winter before, and really think about. You know, this is almost kind of like step one. You know, be begin where you are in hacking teacher burnout. Um, where, you know, what brought you to this place, right? Like we know that it's lack of sunshine and lack of um, being outside that is, that's causing this, right? But what patterns do we see in our lives that make this even worse? Okay, so that's, that's my second tip. My third tip is to decide what actions you want to take and why. So whether you're dealing with burnout, the winter blues, or both at the same time, it's very, very important for you to reflect, identify patterns, and then take action. I subscribe to the belief that inaction breeds doubt and fear, and action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Thank you, Dale Carnegie, for that quote, by the way. The fact is, you cannot expect different results from your reflection and pattern identity identity, if you just shrug your shoulders and go about your business as usual, right? I mean, that sounds awful when you're dealing with the winter blues or burnout or both. You have to act. In Chapter 7 of Hacking Teacher Burnout, I wrote... The possibilities are endless for challenges and changes in our daily lives, but our desire to get out and stay out of burnout has to be so defined and actionable that nothing can rock us. Just setting goals and having the best intentions won't get us to where we want to go as teachers or in our lives outside of teaching. So after defining your personal and professional goals, you may find yourself saying, now what? You may be wondering how on earth you can make the time for the action you need to take to bring your goals into reality. So if our goal in this instance is to make it through the winter months, months being the happiest version of ourselves that we can be amidst having the winter blues, is to take small, actionable steps and to do small things differently or make sure to focus on the positive habits that you have in your life that will help carry you through until spring gets here and we are again graced with sunshine and warmer weather. So I want to share with you some things that I have done in the past year, 
two years that have been different than in the past when I didn't even know seasonal affective disorder was a thing. Uh, so one thing I did a couple of years ago is I invested in a light therapy lamp. So I do encourage you to do your own research on light therapy. Um, I could do an entire podcast episode on this, but there are lots of YouTube videos and um, a lot of information out there on light therapy. I bought a very simple lamp from Amazon. I will link it in the show notes um, if you're interested in it. And I kept it here on my desk at home for a couple of years. So whenever I would be working at my desk, especially when I was working from home in 2019 is when I think I got it, um, and 2020, I would just turn it on as I was working at my desk. But I recently, as I was doing research and watching some YouTube videos and learning more about uh, the winter blues, I actually had the epiphany of why haven't I taken this to school? Why am I not using this in the morning while I'm, you know, doing my final prep work for the rest of the day, answering emails, etc. So I did that and I'm already seeing some really positive results from this. I'm sleeping better and that's one big uh that's one big advantage of using light therapy is it does help you help you sleep better because it raises your levels of melatonin and serotonin and it's been fantastic. Um, one suggestion that I was given from a burned in teacher masterminder was to get a weighted blanket and I also have a link to a weighted blanket uh, from Amazon but I now use one of those every night and it is wonderful. I can't even tell you how big of a difference it's made in my sleep. I find myself tossing and turning less. I'm sleeping deeper and that has made a huge difference in my mental, um, in, in my attitude and in my mental health over the last few, I don't know, I've been using it maybe now a month. Um, I, I really try to get outside intentionally every day, not just to walk to my car, not just to take out the trash, but to go for a walk. Um, Ideally, it would be when the sun is shining, but here in Northeast Indiana, right now, we have a lot of cloudy days, but you can even get a lot of um, vitamin D even from a cloudy day. So getting outside, uh, I try to walk a mile to two miles with Jeff um, most every night. Some weeks we do better than others, but it is something that we are trying to be intentional about. Uh, Another thing that I really um, have sort of brought into my life is sitting in silence or showering in silence where I would used to listen to a meditation or listen to a podcast or a book on Blinkist. I am now sitting in silence. I just allow myself to be alone with my thoughts and um, either just, you know, humming a song to myself or really not thinking about anything, Uh, especially on my way to work. I've really just enjoyed thinking about the, the things that are coming up that I'm looking forward to. Um, going to see our daughter Hannah at um, in Bloomington here in a few days. Uh, spring break next month with my brother in Florida. Uh, there's so much to look forward to. And I think one, one pattern that I got stuck in was only thinking about the here and now when it came to how I was feeling about being in, you know, in the middle of winter and how much it sucked and how much I hated it. And although I still have those feelings, <laughs> I'm not stuck in those. I know that it's short-lived. I know it will go away. And uh, so being alone with my thoughts has really helped as well. Um, a couple of habits that I do have in my life uh, that I have had to make sure that I'm paying close attention to are making sure that I'm eating healthy and drinking um, 
and drinking things that are keeping me hydrated. So of course water. Um, I have been drinking a lot of water for many years. I, I invested in a hydro flask before school started this year and I love it so much. One thing I've done though is um, I brew a cup of tea, a cup of green tea every morning and then I dump it in my hydro flask with ice and water and then I sip on that throughout the day. Um, as you probably know, green tea has a lot of wonderful benefits, and that's one way that I um, that I fuel my body with something other than water during the day. I also drink kombucha. Um, I eat pretty healthy throughout the day. I've even picked up intermittent fasting since the beginning of 2022, and that is going really well, and I'm finding myself actually having a lot more energy um, from only eating for a certain amount of hours a day. Another thing that I do that I'm sure you know is very important to me is I work out every morning. I get up every morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, not every morning, most mornings. <laughs> I allow myself Fridays to sleep in. Sometimes I switch it up a little bit. Um, but I get up every mor- morning at about 4.30 and I get a good hour workout in. And I've been doing a lot of strength training. I'm doing a strength program right now with Les Mills. I've never done this before and I have found myself loving strength training. That gives me a ton of energy and it's helping me to build muscle. That is helping me to feel stronger and also helping me look forward to spring, right? Um, So those are a couple of habits that I've had to make sure that I am sticking to. And those are things that I've done for years, but in the past, I've allowed to go to the wayside and I've seen, again, those are those keystone habits. You know, if you're eating healthy and you're hydrating your body and you're exercising intentionally every day, it's only going to have positive ripple effects in the rest of your decisions that you make throughout the day. One new thing that I'm doing that I've struggled with in the past because it was a boundary that needed to be set that was very hard for me is I've started to build boundaries around my sleep. Um, I live with two night owls and (laughs) I have mom guilt when it comes to saying I'm going to bed and y'all can stay up and do whatever it is that you do after nine (laughs) o'clock. So I have started to say I'm going upstairs, I'm going to go to bed by about nine o'clock most nights. I need a lot of sleep and I know that in the past, gosh, I think back to when I first started teaching, Jeff and I would stay up until sometimes 11.30 at night, no problem, and then get up, I would get up at 4.15 to work out in the morning, no problem. Well, maybe a little bit of a problem, but I would still do it. And I did that for months on end. Um, And now it's like I can't imagine being up past 10. If I'm up past 10 on a weekday, (laughs) good Lord, I, I can't function the next day. I'm just not the same. I'm just not the same person. So I have started to set boundaries and I've, you know, I'm, I'm in bed by, by typically 9, 9.15 and asleep by 9.45, 10 o'clock. That gives me about six and a half hours of sleep, sometimes a little bit more. Of course, my goal would be eight, but if I'm thinking realistically about what that would look like, um, I would have to be in bed by 7.30, 8 o'clock to, to reach that goal. And that is just not realistic. And I'm functioning really well on six and a half hours of sleep. So I feel really good about it, especially since I'm sleeping better. So um, so that's another thing that I've done. And finally, um, and, and there are many, many things that I, that I do other than this on a habitual basis. But another thing that's so important is socialization, making sure that you're making time for your friends and family, even if you don't feel like it. Gosh, I, th- I feel like I'm talking to my kindergartners because we've had so many conversations about the fact that 
in order to be successful, we have to do the hard things even if we don't, and they can literally finish the sentence, even if we don't feel like it. It's part of growing up. It's part of living a healthy, burned-in lifestyle. And there are many ways to socialize. You can, you know, literally meet up person to person, you know, in-person gatherings um, with whatever you're comfortable with right now. And um, you can meet virtually, just talking on the phone, sending a random text to someone you haven't talked to for a while, or starting a a big text group with your closest friends or your close family. I love Marco Polo. I talk to my closest friends and uh, family members. My brother lives in Florida, like I mentioned earlier. We talk almost every day and I get to see his face and it just makes me so happy um, to be able to do that. My dad recently got on Marco Polo and he doesn't, he only lives about an hour away, but I get to see him and, and hear him, you know, and we get to catch up on a daily basis. I mean, how amazing is that? And I want to let you know that if, if you are having trouble socializing with people who are lifting you up and making you feel excited about life, that the Burned In Teacher Mastermind is open right now all the time, ready to help you to take even more action towards growing through your burnout or moving through and helping you to build a proactive plan to use your burnout as an opportunity, to use hardship as an opportunity for true change and to take action and take control over your life that you may not feel in control of right now. It's not therapy. It's not counseling. It's a It's the course, it's the community, and it is the growth opportunity that so many teachers from around the world have taken advantage of. And I would love for you to learn more about it. So if you go to burnedinteacher.com slash mastermind, you can learn about all that is to come if you choose to enroll. I don't talk about this often, but if you would like to get $50 off of your forever enrollment into the Burned In Teacher Mastermind, you can use the code FASTACTION50 at checkout and you can get $50 off. You can start your journey out of burnout today with the support and the encouragement and the, the strategies and the steps that you need to live a burned-in lifestyle for $49 this month. We're welcoming new members every single month, and every single one of their stories is different and special. And our community is always so excited to welcome new members and to help them on their journey out of burnout. So there you have it, your three steps (laughs) to hopefully make these winter blues a little bit more hopeful and a little less hostage this, this winter of 2022 because we know it's going to come to an end. So hopefully you take something away today, just one tiny action that will move you forward. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned-in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.